I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me. Friend of the pod, back again, reoccurring guest as Isaac is still skiing in the Swiss Alps or wherever he is right now. According to you guys, according to the people on Twitter, the two best Mavs Twitter accounts on Twitter.com, myself and our guest, Jimmy Crowther, a.k.a. All Things Mavs. Congratulations on the win, Jimmy. Oh, thank you, Nick. I uh, really, really just... Don't have a great acceptance speech written up. However, I will say when this thing started, I was like, I was kind of like you. I was like, this is so dumb. Yeah. And then people really started getting into it. And I was like, hey, let's just have some fun with it. And then I ended up winning the whole darn thing. So thanks to all of you guys for voting. And uh, that's that's all I got. I'll continue to try to be a good Mavs Twitter. It was fun. So th- this guy, uh, Toofy Hoops, started this bracket. What was it a couple days ago? I guess a couple weeks ago. And just put a whole bunch of Mavs Twitter accounts up there in a bracket. I played Isaac in the second the second round, and basically it was just he put a poll out there, and people would vote for who was a better Mavs Twitter account. I beat Isaac in the second round, which was just incredible. I did I did I did not expect to beat Isaac, especially knowing you know everyone knowing that I am a Lakers fan and grew up a Lakers fan. I did not expect to beat him, let alone go on to. Uh, make it to the final, the final two, and then go against you. And I was I was happy to lose to you, uh, the All Things Mavs account, because that's All Things Mavs, and I am not All Things Mavs. I am All Things lots of things. So <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I didn't expect to get past Reddit Mavs after he beat out Skin. That was that a, was huge. That was incredible. So that one went to, to overtime, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It that ended was crazy. up being fifty fifty, <laughs> and then he he took the overtime poll. So. It was fun, man. Thank, shout out to Toofy Hoops, who I've never interacted with actually before this for putting all that together. Yeah, that, it was it was fun, and uh, like you, I thought it was kind of stupid, but hey, it was uh, a little fun in the you know days without some Mavs games. But we did have a Mavs game last night. We'll talk about it. We'll break it all down. Very disappointing, but Jimmy was in attendance, and so he'll have all the sights and sounds talking about this game. The Mavericks lose 123 to 120 in overtime. The Mavs still have not won an overtime game this year. So we'll talk about the Mavs in the clutch, some of their crunch time offense, some of their just crunch time woes right now. I think they're eight and eleven in clutch games right now, which is which is kind of tough for this team, especially considering their record last year, which was actually good when they were a terrible team. So some weird stuff going on with the Mavs right now. So we'll break that game all down. Um, but Jimmy, let's let's start with the Andre Drummond stuff because this game uh-huh. sort of brings out some of that. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of it. I'm seeing a lot of it from people just specifically on Twitter, but I'm sure a lot of fans are thinking about it. Woj, I talked about this on the pod yesterday, but Woj tweeted out that the the Hawks and the Pistons are in serious discussion about an Andre Drummond trade. This has been a prime candidate for a lot of Mavs fans. They wanted to bring Andre Drummond in. Basically, any big body center that's available ever, Mavs fans have been into him. I mean, has there been a time mm-hmm. when Mavs fans have not been into a big body big body center? Shaq, Dwight Howard, um, Stephen Adams. Adams always. Yeah, there's always seems to be a guy that Mavs fans are into. Uh, but what's what's your take right now on Andre Drummond? Uh, so this is kind of my thing. I've kind of stuck with this since 
the beginning of it all. I mean, even before this serious report came out, I think people have always kind of known that he and Blake Griffin are not a match. That Pistons team is absolutely terrible, um, just terribly constructed, honestly. I don't know what they're trying to put together, but obviously it's not working. So Drummond's probably the first guy out. And my thing with it is, look, if, it, if somehow the Mavs were to pull it off, I could easily talk myself into this big three of Drummond, KP, and Luka because Drummond's young. He's a great rebounder. That's that's what he does. He can finish around the rim really well. But I am with you 100% that I do not want to lock up that much money to a big man that can't stretch the floor. I mean, he's he's tried to shoot threes. It doesn't work. He can't do it. <laughs> I, I don't want to give him that money. Um, and I don't want to give up, you know, pieces that are clearly making this team tick. You know, the, the Bleacher Report trade, which Bleacher Report, you know, they're just putting out ideas. They don't have any real sources on this. But they said straight up Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, no picks for Andre Drummond. Tim Hardaway Jr. and you know Dwight Powell's having his struggles. I get that. But they're both key pieces to how this offense works and why it's the most efficient offense. I don't know. Those numbers have probably dipped a little bit in this tough stretch that we've had. But I, I'm not for it. Uh, and I'm not even really putting together a smaller trade package because the deal is, let's say we do put together a small trade package and you know Detroit takes something centered around the 2025 first round pick, which would be wild, the Golden State pick, Courtney Lee and like a Justin Jackson. Even if it's that, you still have to integrate him into this offense and figure out how he's going to work. And you change so much. You run more post-ups, which we know Rick Carlisle absolutely hates. So I think there's just a lot more downside and a lot more in-season tinkering that would have to happen if a guy like Drummond came onto this team. So ultimately, I'm against it. But if it were to happen, I could talk myself into it. Yes. Well, I think Isaac and I have mentioned this a lot, and we talk about this especially during the summer. I think we could talk ourselves into anything. Right? Mm-hmm. Anything anything the Mavs do, I think we could eventually, as far as player movement, I think we could talk ourselves into it. But, yeah, if you want to hear my take on the Andre Drummond stuff, I did a positive and negative of it you know, yesterday on the podcast, so go listen to that pod. I also broke down the Brooklyn Nets and the Thunder game, so go check out that one. I did the whole thing. I did a whole segment by myself just talking about Andre Drummond and giving my positives and negatives. But uh, your take on... The fact that putting a lot of resources into two front court guys, the fact that it would be almost 50% of your salary cap going into the front court, and I know it would just be for one year, but that, that almost makes it worse. I just don't know if that's the best way to allocate resources for the Mavericks. I understand that they could use a rebounder. I understand they could use a big body. There's just too many things. This Mavericks team is too good playing five out, you know, for them to, um, you know, for them to to make this huge move and basically fundamentally change who they are as a team right now. The Mavericks are a good team. This is one thing I want to take away from this game, and we'll talk about it as we break it down. But this loss is concerning. This loss is frustrating. I'm sure you were upset. You were in the arena. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. that. A lot of people are upset right now on, on Mavs Twitter, and I totally understand it. You are totally allowed to be you know, frustrated with it, to be mad with this loss. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, don't get mad at this loss. But I think some context needs to be built on this game because there is some context. There is some things that we can, you know, share and say that can make this loss a little less hurtful, I guess. Mm -hmm. But let's not just change everything this Mavs team has done. I mean, this Mavs team has, you know, overperformed, some people would say. This has been better than a lot of people's expectations. They've played super well. They have the best offense in the NBA when they're all together and all on the floor. And don't let this one loss take away from all of that. Don't don't change everything you thought about this team just by this this one loss, um, or by any loss really. The two Knicks losses or, or whatever. <laughs> what uh, Knicks I just losses? think that the Mavericks at this point should have built up enough equity with you 
that you don't, you know, say let's blow it up after every single loss. I think that they've earned that at this point. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. I, I am not in the camp of make a desperation trade, make something happen right away. Like when the Rondo deal went went down, I'm pretty sure we lost a game we shouldn't have lost, and Mavs pulled the trigger on the Rondo deal, and hindsight's 2020, of course, but that didn't work out. So there, there's no reason to flip this whole team upside down, change everything we've done and built for a team that's, what, two games out of second place in the Western Conference and has an MVP caliber player and two of its – top three players missing in this tough stretch, not not tough stretch of games, but tough uh, tough loss tonight. But Tim Hardaway Jr., third leading scorer, he's out. Porzingis, difference maker on both ends. You see that tonight, the way we missed him. A lot. He's gone. So it there's no reason to freak out. Um, I, there are some things that I'm sure we'll touch on later that can be picked on, but, you know, this is a good basketball team. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's a playoff caliber team and still has a chance, I believe, to make a run in the playoffs. And one more thing I didn't mention yesterday, along with what you're just saying. I don't think this team is a title team, and I don't think anybody believes that it is mm-hmm. right now. Maybe they can make a run, but and a lot of things would have to go right for them to make a run. But this is not a team that's one trade away. This is not the Raptors from last year. This is not, you know, um, a team that's just one trade away from making a run, right? Like, <laughs> I just think that the Clippers and the Lakers standing in the way, maybe even the you know the Nuggets. Uh, after that, I don't know if there's any team better in the West right now, but. Um, yeah, I just don't think that this is this is what this team is right now. And so I think that we should still hold on to what the schedule is right now. It's to figure out Luca and Borzingis together to get this team as best as they possibly can and then make a run, you know, next year or the year after that. Am I am I underselling these Mavericks? No, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, e- even when we were in our hottest stretch of the season, this is not a team that's like, all right, this is championship caliber. And that's okay. We don't have to be a championship caliber team the the second year of Luka Doncic, the first year of Kristaps Porzingis, um, with this whole team trying to figure it out. That's okay. That's you know down the road, give it two to three years if if they're not championship caliber. Sure, you can start complaining, but right now it's win as many games as possible, get Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis in the playoff, get them on the floor at the same time, get that chemistry going, and and get them to where they need to be so that they reach that ultimate potential of a championship-caliber team. Coming into the season, I mean, we were talking about this team as a bubble playoff team. And and now we're talking about, okay, what can they do to go an extra round in the playoffs, or what do they need to do? So take a breath, Mavs Twitter. (laughs) Don't don't tweet me any crazy ESPN NBA trade machine things that are too crazy. If you want to tweet me some fun ones, that's fine. I'll respond. Do it. Send them all to me, at Nick Van Exit, the second best Mavs Twitter account will accept all weird (laughs) trades. No, but I'm still happy with this team, but I will admit this was a hard loss. I didn't enjoy it, and I'll probably tell you more about that why later. All right, coming up, let's let Jimmy tell you why it was a frustrating loss. We'll break it all down, why the Mavs are struggling late in games, what the Mavericks were missing without Porzingis, what it was like at the game. It was 80s night, so let's talk about it with a guy that was not alive during the 80s with Jimmy coming up next. All right, Jimmy, let's get into this game. So going into this game, it was 80s night. Was this the first Mavs game you went to this year? No, this was, I think, the fourth. Because Yeah, fourth game. Third game. I went to the Pelicans, and then I also went to the Nets game, actually, just the other night. And then uh, this one, just because, you know, I'm up at school in Oklahoma, don't have a lot of time to make it down to Dallas all the time. Right, right, which is why I assumed that. So what was the feeling going into the game? How did you feel, you know, did you go early and see warm-ups? What was the feeling like? Okay, it was actually really, really weird. So I went with a buddy and his little sister and my little sister. We all went. And 
it was really empty really, really early on. Um, it was kind of actually kind of like the Mavs. It was a very slow start for the crowd. Um, <laughs> and they just kind of funneled in late. And it was really oddly quiet in the stadium. And then it started to really get quiet when we went down early to the Charlotte Hornets, which we should not have ever gone down by that much. And so it was a weird vibe early on. Um, and then second half was just – it picked up really well for the, for the crowd, obviously, because the Mavs picked up their play. But, man – it came alive early on in the third quarter. It was incredible. Terry Rozier missed the two free throws. Everyone got free Chick-fil-A. That was hey. in the AAC. That was huge. Uh, and that's really just kind of what sparked everything. So started slow, picked itself up. Um, and really, I mean, everyone stayed, I think, throughout the entire overtime. So that was really good. Except for there were two. There was a couple in front of uh, uh, sitting in front of us, and they left in the second quarter. So if they want to blame the loss on somebody, blame it on whoever that couple was that left in the second quarter of the game. <laughs> they jinxed it? They straight yeah. up just jinxed the Mavericks? They jinxed it. On the court, so the Mavericks again went with this line, the starting lineup that is just baffling to me, but this is definitely a Carlisle lineup. Luka with Dorian and Dwight Powell like normal, and then J.J. Barea and Justin Jackson. This is something I, I tweeted out to kind of maybe calm everyone's nerves about this loss. The Mavericks played a game where they started J.J. Barea, who's 35, coming off of an Achilles injury. <laughs> Justin Jackson, who lots of people have complained about. And uh, Dwight Powell, who lots of people have also complained about. I mean, those are three players that probably are not starters on most of the other playoff teams in the NBA right now, especially not title contending teams. So it's kind of, you know... Let that be some context for this game. It was a little rough start. Mavericks did get off to a rough start. This Hornets team, I've watched a couple of their games already this year, and they're like a college team that has a bunch of seniors on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of their guys are a bunch of you know college guys. They, they just feel like like you only remember them from college. You know, like Terry Rozier, I guess you kind of remember him. Uh, but they have a bunch of dudes that just they play hard they play really hard a bunch of these guys they're all trying to vie for spots and minutes and you know they don't really have a they don't really have like a best player a guy like a, they don't have a luka they don't have kemba anymore so it's a bunch of guys just all trying to make their name in the nba right now it's so they're going out there they're trying to earn their minutes they're trying to keep in the good graces of uh james borrego and uh they play hard you you cannot fall asleep against this hornets team uh, I think the Hornets are the way that people talk about the Mavericks that aren't Mavericks fans. I feel like it's the way we should talk about the Hornets, where you can't fall asleep against them. All of a sudden, they can go on a run against you. They can hit some threes. Obviously, don't they don't have a Luka, obviously, but uh, Devontae Graham has been pretty good. He can go on runs. He can hit crazy shots. He can do things in the clutch, and you just can't fall asleep against them because they play hard and they surprise teams. I guess let's put it that way. That they come in and a lot of people think, oh, this is a terrible roster. And I thought at the beginning of the season, during the offseason, I thought this is a terrible roster. They're not going to win a lot of games. But they play hard every night. They don't give up. And they surprise teams. And this is a trap game for a lot of teams. And I think going into this game without Porzingis, without Tim Hardaway Jr., it was a trap game for the Mavericks at home. Well, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of what this whole home stretch has been for the Mavs is the these – fall asleep early on these teams, let them jump out to big leads, and all of a sudden, you look up at the scoreboard, you're down double digits. Uh, that's what it was against the Nets. Luckily, they came back and won that one. Um, but yeah, I think they just came in, came in and they underestimated what this team was. And, you know, if you told me at the beginning of the, told me at the beginning of the season that Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Nick Batum would not suit up yeah, for the Hornets, I, I would say, okay, they're the worst team in the league by far. But they're tied for, no, they're, excuse me, they're two games out of the eight seed. 
in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they get the eighth seed. I think they'll ultimately tank it out and go for that first pick as they should. But, you know, it's a fun team. I, I really like Devontae Graham, especially, you know, being probably the most improved player right now. And um, P.J. Washington is a really fun rookie. I'm a big yeah. fan of him. Uh, and then let's not sleep on Mr. Bismack Biombo, who absolutely <laughs> ended Maxi Kleba tonight. That was uh, – oh, oh, my God. gosh. If you want to talk about when the, the, the quietest moment of the crowd was right then. <laughs> Everyone just kind of looked at each other. It didn't say anything. Luckily, he hit a three like two plays later and kind of erased it. But uh, it was the next play. It was the very next possession. Was it the very next? Yeah. So, yeah. so he so uh, Bismack Biombo gets this dunk on Maxi Kleba, and Maxi just falls flat on his back after mm. getting absolutely dunked on. And it wasn't like this dunk where Maxi's coming from an angle or Maxi's coming from you know behind and he gets dunked on, and people are like, oh, he postered him. Like, no, he's kind of you know he reached out for that one. He was directly in front of Bismack Biombo. And he got absolutely slammed to the ground. He was laying there. I feel like the crowd was quiet because they were trying to figure out if they need to make funeral plans. It was just an absolute murder. But then the very next play, Maxi gets up. And Maxi, he's a gamer. He always shows up to play. And he hit that three. And it was, you know, it started kind of a, you know, the crowd, I, I bet, you know, peaked during that time. And uh, some life got put back into the crowd. But so the Mavericks go down early. And Carlisle's been trying a different substitution method with Luka. Mm-hmm. Because he's been getting tired late and he's been playing, you know, a lot of minutes. He usually plays the entire first quarter, then the end of the second quarter, the entire third quarter, and the end of the fourth quarter. And we've been over his minutes a lot <laughs> on this podcast, yeah. especially after those Knicks games. But they he took him out with six minutes and thirty seconds left in the first quarter. Mavericks were only down one at that point. He puts him back in with three minutes left. Mavericks were down four, and then the Hornets go on a little run. They Mavericks and the first quarter down 12. Um, I don't know if this substitution pattern is, you know, to blame for Luca kind of coming out flat or the Mavericks coming out flat, but they did in this game. And I just feel like it may be the holiday malaise that a lot of us are malaise malaise. Uh, I have no, I've never used that word in my life. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people feel after, you know, you come back from new year's and uh, I just, spent a week with my family and it was an awesome trip. Loved it. Loved spending time with my family, but you kind of need a vacation from your vacation at that point for spending a lot of time with your family. And I wonder if the Mavericks kind of feel like that too, at this point and they're home, they're on a home stand, They're, you know, in their own beds for the first time in a little while. And, uh, I think you come out flat when you're like that, but they go down 20 in the second quarter. Um, we get some weird Carlisle substitution things. When the Mavericks look flat, Carlisle, especially now this year since they're trying to win games, he does not waste time changing the lineups. I mean, he just throws anybody out there. He starts making weird you know, substitution patterns. Basically, anything is fair game at this point, and he tries a bunch of things. What did you think about Carlisle substitutions, trying things, changing up the lineups a lot? Um, I, Man, I I'm, I'm really am a Rick Carlisle homer. Uh, I will – absolutely stand up for him when anybody talks crap on him. And there was a lot of that early on in the season. Um, but I have a couple things that I need to pick on that just drove me absolutely nuts. Uh, the, the first thing and, and rotation wise, the first thing I do not like JJ Barea and Luka Doncic on the floor at the same time. And mm. I know it worked really well at times last year. And JJ Barea has been doing some amazing things for this team. He played, you know, he had some big buckets tonight. Yeah. However, I don't like, JJ Barea bringing the floor, bring bring the ball down, and Lucas standing on the wing with his hands on his knees for twenty or sixteen to eighteen seconds in the shot clock before he gets the ball. Even if he's being used as a decoy, whatever it is, I do not like it. I do not want Barea and Doncic on the floor um, as much as it was tonight. I didn't I didn't like it at all. Um, I just don't think 
it's it makes sense. You know, I, I was cheering every time. I wanted Seth Curry in there with him instead. Um, and again, don't get me wrong. I love Berea, and I love him as a spark off the bench and doing things that a veteran needs to do with this team. Um, and I like him in a lineup without Luka. I think it works really well, but I, I just – I'm not for it. Uh, that, that was the biggest thing. The biggest picky part that I had tonight was JJ and Luca constantly being on the floor and Luca sitting on the wing. Now, there are times where Luca was still bringing the ball up, but most of the times he'd have to get his own rebound and then bring it up. Um, otherwise, he was just waiting for JJ to get him the ball. Um, so that was, I mean, that was really tough. Uh, it was just driving me wild. Jalen Brunson coming in randomly, you know, in that Nets game, he didn't play till the second half. Um, I can't remember exactly when he came in tonight, but um, he's been having a rough go at it for sure. Um, yeah, his minutes are so weird. I mean, they, they ping pong weird. back and forth more than maybe any player in the NBA that I've seen. Uh, he can play 35 minutes in one night, and he can play six minutes. And it's, he's not dealing with injuries or anything like that. DeLon Wright was dealing with a foot thing. Some people are, are talking about, you know, why did mm-hmm. DeLon Wright play more? And somebody even mentioned, I didn't see this, but somebody tweeted at me that uh, Carlisle asked DeLon Wright to come and play in the fourth quarter, and he said no on the bench. Oh, really? Um, he ended up only playing six and a half minutes in this game. He was dealing with a foot thing, so I wonder mm-hmm. if that's what it is. I'm speculating, but I wonder if that's the deal with DeLon Wright. He's huge for this team, and missing him is, is a big deal, too. Uh, but Brunson, his minutes, he played less than 15 minutes in this game. Uh, just didn't look super great. Couldn't really get into the flow. Luka and Berea together is fascinating because Carlisle's not going to play Brunson and Berea together. Right. right, he might play Delon and Berea together, but then at that point you're like, okay, am I going to play Luca and Brunson together, which is you know probably fine, or Berea and Brunson? You kind of have to pick your poison because Luca's going to play. I mean, he played 43 minutes in this game, so there has yeah. to be some time with Luca and and Berea, and it just it's not great. It's also especially bad on defense. <laughs> the two guys mm-hmm. together, that's two guys that you can pick on and two guys that you can switch on and you know and try to find mismatches in as well yeah yeah i just i was getting frustrated with it and just watching luca just sit there reminded me a lot of like in dennis smith jr's rookie year when we just wanted him to have the ball in his hands to just go and make plays because we weren't winning anything we weren't going for anything but dsj would sit in the corner and whoever you know whoever had who it was at the time would bring the ball up instead or that was really frustrating, and that's kind of the same vibe I got tonight, but we were actually trying to win the game, and I want the ball in Lucas' hands when we're trying to win the game. Um, but again, Beret has been great while we need him, and you know, if you know Tim Hardaway Jr. were playing tonight, you could put him in for, you know, have him on the floor with J.J., whatever it is. But I just don't like when Lucas on the floor and he's not bringing the ball up. It just really, really, really frustrated me. Uh, Justin Jackson, man. Justin Jackson Island is getting lonelier and lonelier. Uh, I <laughs> tweeted it out, and there were just some rough plays. In, in the fast break, he is incredible. He finishes on the fast break so well. His floater game is still reliable, but he cannot hit the broadside of a barn from three to nine. He is usually, you know, he's got pretty limitless range sometimes, and he just wasn't hitting anything. Um, and there were a couple times, too, man, when this isn't rotation. I'm just kind of getting off on a tangent a little bit here, but there were a couple times where they drew up plays for Justin Jackson when he was cold as ice and I in, crunch, in like serious moments, and I, I was so, so confused. Uh, at that point so I was a little frustrated with Carlisle tonight not gonna lie his rotations I was a little frustrated with him yeah I wonder with some of the Justin Jackson you know plays being run for him you wonder if it's um, this season is a is a marathon not a sprint if you're trying right. to win every single game you're trying to maximize every single possession then then you probably don't call those plays but since this is an entire season they have this young guy who's under a rookie scale contract that 
they're trying to, you know, boost some confidence in. He's getting some DNC PDs, you know, mm-hmm. or DN, DNP CDs. Yeah, that's yeah, what, there you coach, go. coach's decision. That's what it is. That's the acronym. Um, so I wonder if they're just trying to get some confidence into the guy. They started him these last couple of games. And so that's – I sort of wonder if they're trying to do that. All right, coming up, let's get into the rest of this game, how they missed Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Porzingis, because I think those are huge um, – you know, subtractions of this team when they're not on the floor. All right, Jimmy, Kristaps Porzingis not in this game. They missed him a ton. They miss his his rebounding has been big for this team. Just to have a guy in there that's seven foot two, seven three, to grab a rebound uh, that Dwight Powell can't get to, to block shots that Dwight Powell can't get to. There were several, several times in this specific game and in other games where Dwight Powell, you know, jumps and he can jump out of the gym, but his arms are short and he just can't get to a block in midair. Yeah. And those are blocks that Porzingis gets to. And so they really miss him at that point. Um, you know, Porzingis really maximizes the things that Dwight Powell can do. And without him, you know, it's really tough to play. Uh, Dwight Powell is your only big man on the floor. The Mavericks don't really do well when they play Dwight Powell as their only big man in general, but, but without Porzingis especially, uh, that's tough. And so missing him was big. Tim Hardaway Jr., just another guy that can hit a shot, that has been hitting shots, that hits tough shots for this team at times. We can also just hit a catch-and-shoot shot. That's huge for them. Uh, man, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba, we have to talk about them before we go, but they have been just massive for this team uh maxi finished with 24 points he had a block he had a couple rebounds couple assists dorian finney smith at 15 points with eight boards uh a steal and a block obviously and how many offensive rebounds he had six offensive rebounds Mm. (laughs) a couple of the monster putbacks those two guys have just been so good over the last couple of games i know we complain a lot about this team and talked a lot about their uh you know they're down. They're down twenty. They ended up coming back and they lose in overtime. But I just want to give a couple of minutes to talk about Dorian and Maxi. Yeah, please. I, I mean, outside of the two stars, Luca and KP, those are my favorite Mavericks. I mean, you watch them go out on the floor, and just as a fan, like as a lifelong fan, you can't help but appreciate the effort that they go in and play with every single night. Maxi from three this year. I think he after this game he might be over forty percent for the season. I'm not 100% sure he was 39.8% going into it, and he hit 6 of 12 tonight. They drew up a three, couple threes for him in crunch time. Um, he missed the one, but then got it and went in and got the, the dunk himself. Uh, career high, 24 points tonight. Um, and Dorian Finney-Smith on the offensive boards, I, I you know, this is now one of the highest-rated um, offensive rebounding percentage teams and a lot of that is because almost all of it is because of Finney Smith and Porzingis combined I mean it's absolutely incredible um, what they can do and you stick Dorian Finney Smith on Devontae Graham just his versatility to guard guards and obviously Graham started going off at one point but Dorian Finney Smith wasn't on him most of the time he was popping off like he was Um, and it's just I mean it's just incredible and they get the crowd going both of them because Maxie goes in and does what he needs to do, even though he got dunked on tonight. That's okay, Maxie. We still love you. <laughs> and then Finney Smith with two huge putback jams tonight. You can at least get one from him every single night. And then the clutch, oh, my gosh. Even though, you know, obviously it doesn't matter because we didn't win the game, but he goes and gets the clutch rebound in overtime to give them a second chance, like, at tying the game up. And that was huge. I mean, I you got to think. I mean, I'll have to look through all the contracts and stuff, but two of the biggest bargains of the summer right there in Finney Smith and, and Kleba just signing them for what we got them for yeah I think they're combined what like 12 million for four years three or four Come years on. I mean that is just that's an absolute steal for those two because I think Dorian is 
four million a year, and Maxie's eight. I mean, that's just those are just absolute steals. Those two guys <laughs> should be starters if the team was constructed a little differently. Um, let's let's talk about the end of this game though, because uh, we haven't really talked about Luca at all, which is wild. He played forty three minutes in this game, thirty nine points, twelve boards, ten assists, two steals. He was fourteen of thirty two from the floor. He only shot six free throws. That means he only went to the line three times and he took 32 shots. I mean, that's just insane. He was five of 15 from three. Uh, A lot has been said about Luca not getting respect from the refs and guys manhandling him or, you know, what what was the Carlisle quote? They're testing him or they're, um, no, it was, uh, he cursed in it, but I can't remember exactly what he said. Oh, he said beating the crap. I'll say crap out of him, (laughs) beating the feces out of him. Oh yeah. I made I made a Paul Pierce (laughs) joke for it. So, um, he knows exactly what that's like. But, yeah, Luca. I mean, another almost 40-point triple-double, and we haven't talked about him at all in this game. It's just he's almost he's just a given at this point that he's going to show up, and we shouldn't take him for granted. But the Mavericks are absolutely not in this game, and he changes. They're not in this game without him, and he just changes the you know so much about this team. You know, without Luca, if you just looked at this team that played tonight and they lost to the Hornets, you wouldn't say – Oh man, how can this team lose? And you wouldn't be upset. I mean, he just mm-hmm. changes the calculus for so many things for this team. Uh, he was throwing just absolute dimes tonight too. Some of his passes were just insane. Uh, guys sometimes just not hitting shots, but he had a, a no look pass at the very beginning of the game to Justin Jackson. He had that l- very last second driving uh, lob that he just threw directly up in the air to Dwight Powell. That was incredible. He just has some no look passes that were were insane. Um, man, it's just so fun to watch Luca play the way that he gets back in these games. And gosh, the, the only negative that you can say about Luca is that he hasn't been as clutch as he was last year. It's so weird to watch him just be so incredible throughout the game and then not have it at the very end. And I wonder if Carlisle, you know, has a point here when he's talking about trying to limit Luca's minutes, at the beginning of the game, trying to change his substitution pattern. So he's better towards the end of games like he was last year. Oh, I think I think Carlisle's absolutely right in that. I actually really like the early substitutions. He's been going out six minutes left in the first quarter. Um, and really, he was only our only source of offense in the early going of that game, um, forcing some stuff, but he had to because nobody else was hitting a darn thing. And he was, we hit, we started one of fourteen from three, and that one came from Luca. And then we started three of like seventeen, and two of those were from Luca. So early on, yeah, I'm for sitting him a little bit earlier to get him going and clutch and. He just didn't have it. I mean, but he also, you know, he gets double teamed. He wasn't getting double teamed as much last year. If Porzingis is on the floor, I don't think he's getting double teamed this way. Um, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is on the floor, I don't think he's getting double teamed this way because that's another guy that can go get a bucket. I mean, think about it. In crunch time, we're playing without Porzingis and Hardaway that are get, drawing a lot of defensive attention. So um, definitely wasn't as clutch tonight. Throughout the season, he – you know, he's been there. I mean, the Kings game that I think back to that one, he should have, that bucket should have been a foul, um, stupid stuff like that. But yeah, I think the biggest thing with Luca tonight is he knew what was going to be thrown at him. He knew he was getting the kitchen, kitchen sink basically thrown at him with every defender that the Hornets had. And he scored 39 points. Um, I mean, he's absolutely incredible. We can't take it for granted that he's doing what he's doing. He actually owned up tonight. I saw, I saw a quote right before I think we started recording. Um, and he said, we could have won that game, but I made terrible decisions. Uh, so, so he knows that there's things in crunch time that he's doing wrong. And as a 20 year old, being able to admit that and t- 
take that in the face of defeat is huge. And I think it bodes well for the future of this year and obviously for a long time coming for Mavs fans um, and for Luca himself. You know, just little things. I mean, he could have had legitimately 20 assists tonight if guys were hitting anything. I, I really believe that. And really, I hate saying I hate to come back to this because I kind of ranted on it already, but if there were times when Barea wasn't taking the ball up, I think he'd have closer to 45, 50 points. <laughs> like, I think he could have done that tonight. Um, but the clutch is where it mattered, and he just – I think he had two points in overtime, and that really might have had four. That really hurt us. Um the step back at the end of the fourth quarter was so clean. I thought it was mm. in. It had it was right on line, had perfect arc on it, just rimmed off. Um, and had he hit that, we would be <laughs> talking about nothing else but that. So, yeah, well, you'd be talking about the comeback. You'd be talking about, oh, this is the first exactly. time the Mavs come back from down 20. I mean, it's crazy how it just changes with the, you know, the bounce of the ball to make or miss league, you know, however you want to put it. But uh, the defense, I think, was just awful. It was terrible in overtime. The rim defense was, was awful. Mm. Dwight Powell's just not a rim defender. Uh, and when Maxie, Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier offensive rebound, that was the hardest thing to watch. Yeah, that was awful. When Maxie's getting pulled out to the perimeter on a Marvin Williams or some or a PJ Washington or somebody like that, uh, they have no rim protector. They just don't have anybody like that that can defend the rim uh, with Porzingis out, and so that was really tough on them. I think that was the big thing. Um, not just blaming you know Luca completely for the the clutch time, but the the defense I think was also awful. Anything else you want to say about this game or anything else? Because you're the best. Twitter account for for Mavericks out there. So you can say whatever you want, but let's finish off in whatever else you want to say. Yeah, I, I will say this. Another another thing that I've seen people picking on Carlisle for is his use of his timeout tonight um, because we didn't have any timeouts with, I believe, 45 seconds left in overtime. And I didn't love it either. However, had he used that timeout and Maxi Kleba hit that three, nobody would have cared that he called that timeout then. But he did, and we didn't get to have that timeout last 45 seconds and I really don't think it would have made that much of a difference anyway um so I wouldn't freak out too much about that if I were you Mavs fans um other than that we got a game against Chicago on Monday and hopefully I saw Porzingis isn't probably going to be back for that one um but hopefully that's still a team that we can handle without either Hardaway or Porzingis uh but we're gonna be okay Everyone take a breath. If you need to vent, you can go to my Twitter. And uh, usually I'm pretty positive on there, so hopefully I can bring some positivity uh, to everything. And uh, I really think that's all I have. You know, tough loss. Can't really sugarcoat it too much, but this is still a good basketball team. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have updates on Porzingis. I mean, we haven't – a lot of people – we haven't heard a lot of things about, you know, Porzingis' situation. I think they're just taking it really cautiously. They're really trying to, um, you know, give him some time maybe. And don't want to rush him back, you know, by any means. It's not the knee that he tore the ACL on. It's not that same leg, and so I don't think we should worry too much about that. But it is a leg injury for a guy that has had leg injuries. So um, I think that's kind of where they're taking it right now, just taking it really cautiously. They've built up a cushion right now in the playoff, you know, hunt. So I think that they're taking advantage of that and giving Porzingis some extra time. That's my guess on it. Uh, other people have other guesses where they think that he got his knee scoped. They think <laughs> think a lot of people, they think a lot of things right now well, from some of these pictures. But uh, that's all the information we have right there. So, again, Jimmy Crowther at All Things Mavs. You can check him out on Twitter. The best Mavs Twitter account out there, according to the fans. I am the second best. You can follow me at Nick Van Exit. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.